In today's episode, we're rejoined by doula and nutritionist Alexia Hogan. We've had Alexia on our podcast about a year ago, where we spoke about her fertility journey and postpartum advice for new mums. And today, we're going to take a few steps forward, where we'll discuss how to raise healthy kids from a nutritionist herself. Paige and I wanted to talk about this topic, and I was like, I can't give any advice on this because I don't have kids, but I know that Alexia has beautiful children and would um, be able to offer so much incredible advice for new mums as well. So thank you so much for coming back on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I actually want to ask Paige, what was it that made you want to actually do this podcast? Because it was your idea to start off with. Yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of clients that are mothers themselves, both face-to-face clients as well as clients that I support from a nutritional perspective. So providing them with support, whether they're going wanting to go into a fat loss phase or whether they're just wanting to become healthier in general. And a lot of the questions um, that they were sort of asking me was around, you know, um, because they know that I am so, such a strong advocate around like discussing body image and trying to move into more, a more neutral view of body image and having a lot of discussions and I was having a lot of discussions with a lot of different clients around, you know, how their bodies and how they're talking about their bodies in front of their children. And they were sort of asking me, you know, for tips and advice. And I was sort of saying to Jacinta, you know, we're both not parents. We can come at it from a perspective of, you know, how we think that we should be talking about our bodies, but It's also really a valuable thing to be able to speak to somebody that is a mum that's navigating this uh, and, you know, how you're working through this as part of raising your children and also trying to understand a lot of the questions that came through from my clients was around not necessarily themselves and how they can manage the discussion around body image, but also those that are around them. So those that are outside of their control, how do they navigate those conversations with family members, with friends around those discussions. Uh, I think that that was the, the key thing that we wanted. Uh, uh, they wanted to take away from it. And so I was like, it would be a really great discussion to have. Yeah. It's really scary when you have outside influences, like people that don't share the same views as you that can say stuff to your kids about their bodies, like just little things, you know, oh God, I feel so fat today. Or like, you know, this clothes, clothes look terrible on me or I shouldn't eat that. I'm like, no, we don't, we don't, we don't do that in our house. <laughs> you just like want to put like yeah. earmuffs yeah. on them like, wherever sh- they go and just be yeah. like, I'll just, yeah. I'll just take them off when I hear it's an yeah. appropriate thing to say. It's, it's really challenging. And like my mum and I had quite a big disagreement, I guess you would call it, a couple of weeks ago about exactly this. And it was just at the time that Jacinta asked me to do this podcast. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll definitely yeah. do this. <laughs> my mum mentioned something about not trusting herself around sugar to my daughter who's six. And I was like, oh, that doesn't like set up my daughter trusting herself because she can see her nonna can't trust herself. And I was like, this is a really complex situation, a really complex conversation. And I like I got really upset. My mum got really upset. It was like very intense because food and body image are so emotionally charged for people. So yeah, we don't talk about bodies really and the way they look. And, you know, body neutrality is kind of where I like to sit with the whole thing. Like everybody has a body. Everybody's body is different and everybody's body is good. So like that's kind of where we sit with the whole thing. You can ask questions, 
you can talk to people, but you can't make someone feel bad about themselves. And so my daughter has a couple of times gone, you know, why is your tummy so big? And, you know, it's just how my body is. Like I've grown two babies and my body looks like this. And she's like, ah, and kind of really confused about why other people's bodies don't look like hers. And so already at six, she has been ingrained through the outside, you know, just osmosis. It's been ingrained in her that her body is what she thinks is the best. She's come from a family that have really tried hard to not have her think that way. And she's already thinking that way. And I don't know how. Mm. So I think it's a it's a massive subject and it's a massive topic and it kind of expands like so broadly and we kind of have minimal control over what kind of comes into their, you know, their psyches and how they absorb that information. That said, we do talk about food as like there's no such thing as good food or bad food. Like the only type of bad food is rotten food. And that's a really interesting conversation because my daughter, when she was in daycare, would come home and say things like, oh, mum, we can't eat sugar anymore because it's a really bad food. And oh, yeah. That, that's and, what they're teaching. Yeah. So her one of her daycare teachers in particular had, had a view that is pretty normal for a lot of people, you know, like sugar is bad and we don't eat sugar. And that took a lot of undoing with her. Like sugar's not a bad food. It's just really high in energy and we don't need it near bedtime because it gives you too much energy and you don't need energy at bedtime. Like, you know, mm. that kind of. More like education based and just keeping it simple. Right? Yeah. Because when you add all the other layers to it for a little kid, they just don't need to hear that stuff. Like they need to hear, no, sugar's not bad. There's no such thing as good or bad food. Because if they know that they're eating sugar and they know that it's bad, what's that doing to them psychologically? What are they thinking? They're eating it and going, I love this so much and it's so bad for me. Mm. So it sets up that pattern of shame, doesn't it? Mm. So yeah, I guess that's kind of where we started with the whole thing. And yeah, and being a parent is you go through that baby stage where you're just kind of surviving on minimal sleep and minimal food and like you'd get through and then suddenly you've got a toddler who's throwing tantrums and doesn't want to do anything you want to do. And you're like, I I don't know what to do. Like I'm suddenly thrown into being a parent. Like you went from just this survival state and now you're like, oh my God, I have to do parenting, like actual parenting. And it comes so much earlier than you'd think. And I found myself in this stage where I was like, I don't know what to feed her. I I don't know when to feed her. I don't know what I should, you know, like it was just so new. Like what's right and what's wrong, even though there isn't like a right or wrong. Like you kind of figure it out because every person will also take on different things based on their own individual, I guess, plasticity as well. Like, yeah, okay, I'm going to gravitate towards that. I probably heard it once. Yeah. I'm going to latch on to that thing that I've heard once compared to the story that I hear every single day at home. It's that one thing that I was told at kinder now. That's it. That's going to be the truth. Yeah, because someone else said it. Yeah. (laughs) You never believe what your parents say. That's it. It's, you know, feeding your kids. So you kind of get to that six months mark and then they want to start eating. And then there's like, you know, you go online and you try and find the information and there's baby led weaning versus puree feeding and all that. It's an overload of information. I found it really overwhelming. Did the diet philosophy or any of the values of what you thought you were going to teach your kids change from prior to when you're about to have your kids. Because I know for myself, like I know one day I want to have kids and have a family and there's particular things that I do and that I don't do and like in terms of my diet. Mm. And there's also things that I know from my own personal experience when I was growing up, my mum 
had an eating disorder when she was young before yeah. she had us. Yeah. So I know in her mind, she was like, feed my kids, feed my kids, feed my kids, because they're going to be healthy the more fat they have. <laughs> like they're going to be healthy. The, yeah. Like if they're not like, you know, thin and for her, that was her idea of healthy if yeah. they're eating more. Fed and fed um, and fed. Yeah. Yeah. And like, let's not kind of give them any bad idea of anything of food. So they can have everything and anything they want at unlimited supply. <laughs> oh my God. And, and it was just kind of like, that's the kind of like, I understand the train of thought yeah. in one way, but also from that other perspective, it's like, cool. I could see why I ended up actually very overweight as a yeah. kid. Yeah, And why I then had to really train myself as an adult to be like, no, it's not normal to have Maccas every couple of days. Well, not normal, yeah. but like, you know, it's not healthy long term yeah. for me to have that food every single day or for me to be drinking the amount of soft drinks yeah. that I was having. And mm. for me now, when I think about having kids, I'm like, okay, there's definitely values that I think I want to implement in my kids, but yeah. it, can be, it can very much change once I'm actually got to have the child in front of me. Yeah. 100%. It's just so interesting because we all have grown up and our parents have raised us the best that they can raise us. But then we look back on it like retrospectively of like things that we probably wouldn't do. So, yeah. you know, some, something, you know, obviously what you've just said, Jacinta, like for me, it's that whole discussion around, you know, you'll have everything that's on your plate. You mm. won't leave the table until you go or, you know, you're not going to be able to have dessert until you finish everything that's on your plate. And then like, you know, looking on that retrospectively and being like, okay, is that something that I would implement for my children? But I know that, you know, my parents did the best that they could do. And before that, it was, I'm sure, even more about saying that my grandparents saying that they felt like they were overweight and making that like a big discussion at the table. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they have then tried to improve upon and not yeah. necessarily talk about. So it's just that whole thing, right, of like you're never going to get it right. We're just continuously trying to learn. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that whole thing about breaking those generational cycles, you know. So I guess the philosophy for us was about autonomy, about consent, trusting their own body signals and like letting them have control. So we kind of all came from that era of parents who were raised by, you know, parents or grandparents from the depression era where, you know, you finished everything that you were given because there wasn't any more. And then it kind of like got into the 80s and then there was like ice cream explosion and like desserts and rewards and like eat it and then you can have your dessert and all of that kind of stuff. And it's so like indicative of the times that you are living in as well. So like right now, if you go on Instagram, there's like a million pages talking about like how to feed your kids and like how to, there's one school of thought of like you give them lollies with their meals so that it just becomes normalized that they can have that and they don't then beg for it and scream for it and like that's all they get obsessed with. I don't know if I agree with that because I'm like, well, should lollies be normalized because they're mm. not they're not actually a food that it's not food it's not food it's not mm. good for you it's a fun food to have at a, at a birthday party or at christmas and mm. like that's kind of where we've landed with our kids my kids react really badly to food colorings so they go completely nuts so we've just said you can have these foods they're special occasion foods like you can have them at birthday parties and christmas and things like that but they actually make your body so hyperactive that you can get out of control so my kids know that and they never ask for them and I don't buy them can I ask how old are your kids just for context for people uh, that yeah three and six that's great that they're already understanding that connection to be like this food is causing this behavior 
Yeah, well, we talk about a lot because it happens a fair bit. Chocolate uh, is okay, but also it's like you don't have to have that every day. And (laughs) I think the thing that I kind of come back to is if it's not in the house, it can't be eaten. I'm not going to go out and buy lollies and like I don't buy juice. That's not part of our normal diet. And like my dad said to me, he was like, oh, pretty strict with the healthy foods you make them eat. I'm like, no, I'm not. Just (laughs) It's just food. Like I just don't go and buy heaps of packaged food. They have like rice crackers and little cheese flavored rice wheels and stuff like that. But I guess in the grand scheme of things, I do kind of restrict that access to sugar because it's not beneficial for them. Mm-hmm. It's not beneficial for me. Like their behavior goes completely berserk. You know, it's not doing anything for good for their teeth. So I just don't include it in their lives. How do you find that they then respond when they do go to parties or when it is Christmas? Yeah. And when those foods are available to them, do they go wild and like try and eat them all or because you've ingrained that um, education that they don't want to consume that foods because they know that it treats them a certain way? So we went to New Zealand for Christmas and they got like massive bags of lollies each and I was like, with shit um so (laughs) I took them like they knew that they had them and I said you know like you can have one now like you can have a lolly now then you can go and eat some food and then you can have another lolly in the afternoon and they were pretty happy with that because I didn't say no I just said you know we'll we'll space it out and I did let my daughter eat as many as she wanted and then she was like I feel so sick I was like yeah, yeah, that's what happens when you eat heaps of lollies. I was like, but, you know, that's okay. Like, you'll feel better soon. But I wanted her to know when you eat that many lollies, it feels awful in your body. And because she's yeah. not used to eating that much sugar, she felt awful. So, you know, she could see that kind of cause and effect there. And mm-hmm. then she yeah. was over it. She didn't care. She didn't want the lollies. Like, she'd ask for them every now and again. And, like, you know, we went out on Halloween and we got heaps of lollies and I put them all up in the top of the pantry and I was like, yeah, you can have one every day if you want to. And she'd ask some days and other days she wouldn't. But that was kind of where it ended. Like, she doesn't ask for them at the moment because she hasn't thought about it. But I think two of the biggest things that were really important to us were not forcing her or my son to eat anything that they didn't want to eat because you're then taking away their autonomy and taking away their consent. And when you're forcing a kid to do something that really feels bad to them, you're telling them not to trust themselves. So it kind of then goes to a broader conversation around what's okay for people to do to my body have kids and it's all you know it's all baby stuff and then suddenly like you're talking about teaching them consent and what's okay for someone to do to you what's okay to say no to and it just like blows out to this very massive conversation around yeah around what's okay and it's not okay for me to say to you uh, like as an adult Paige it's not okay for me to say to you eat that banana I know you hate it but you're going to finish it before you can leave the table like that just like feels so awful to me Mm. to do you know I don't treat them like adults but at the same time I do treat them like a human being Mm. that's they are humans and just because they're my kids doesn't mean they have to be obedient to me all the time. It's quite challenging to change that conversation with older people. Going back to your first question, <laughs> you know, like having dinner with grandparents and 
older people in our lives who have been like, no, you have to eat everything on your plate before mm. you can leave the table. And I'm like, Ugh, we don't yeah, do that we don't in our do family. That. Like, Have you found those conversations quite tricky? Oh, so hard. I could even just, I know even now, my mum has been teasing me for years, saying to since when you have kids one day and you bring them over, like, oh, you know, take them to Macca's. But I'm like, you, I'm like, I would rather take them to somewhere like grilled that do kind yeah. of probably decent, good quality yep. burgers. That's takeaway rather yep. than take them to Macca's purely because taste and the quality of the meat is just... And the like, oil that they use on everything. Like it's, so. just, like it's just terrible. Yeah. And, yeah, like she'll say that to me and I'm like, yeah, that's all right, Mum. You can guarantee I won't bring them back yeah. <laughs> if, you, if, yeah. you, if you feed them in a way that I know that I don't want them to be fed. Yep. And then she's just like, no. I'm like, nah, that's the rules. Like, obviously, I'm part of that point, but like, I'm like, that's the rules. <laughs> I think those are really important boundaries to have. Mm. And as a parent, you have to kind of figure out where your boundaries lie and how to implement them as gently as possible without jeopardizing the relationships that you have with other people. But yeah, we, we've had like people feed my kids. My daughter is super distracted all the time, super mm. like just in a million places. So getting her to eat is really challenging. So sometimes you do have to feed her and, you know, she'll be like really into her drawing and you're like, okay, you need to eat. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah. And she'll have to take a mouthful while she's still drawing. And so we've had people over who have like, you know, it's been fun because they're a new person and they feed her and they're like, no, you've got to finish. You know, I've had people be like, no, there's still more in here. And she's like, no, I'm full. And they're like, yeah. no, you aren't full. Finish what's in your bowl, and I've been like, "Oh, she's allowed to listen to her body. Like, yeah, that's okay. If she's full, that's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially when you're eating slower too. Like when you're yeah. eating slower and just a little bit at a time, yeah. you definitely get fuller quicker because yeah. you're not eating in a panic like us adults often yeah. do. It's just like sit and scoff the food. Scoff it and down. Thirty yeah. seconds later, there's nothing on the plate. <laughs> that's it. She's always been fifth percentile weight, so really quite small. Very tall, but very slim. And I have had doctors say to me, you know, like she's underweight. She should be at the 50th percentile. I'm like, well, that's what a percentile range is. Like there are kids at the 50th. There are kids at the 5th. Like that's how it works. Mm-hmm. People exist on that spectrum of weight. And yeah, I've had a lot of GPs be like, you know, she needs to gain more weight. I'm like, she gains weight steadily. And as she grows and she's doing, she's hitting all the, the markers and she's putting on weight steadily and that's how her body works. Like she's a she's a picker. She eats small meals and then every now and again she'll be like, oh, I love this and like just scoff the whole thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. cool, you, you do what you want to do because when she's hungry, she'll tell us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for us not to override our kids' hunger signals. So, you know, like when people at six months old, this is what I was saying before now, I remember, at, you know, at six months old when babies are starting to eat and they turn their head away, that's their signal that they're full. And if you don't know that, you're going to keep trying to get more food in there because you think that their stomachs are much bigger than they actually are. And then they get cranky and they get wiggly and you're like, what's going yeah. on? Why aren't they eating? It's like, actually, they're kind of telling you. They're full. So if you override constantly, override their own internal signals, they don't know what those are later in life. And so then you just keep eating because you don't know what your body's saying to you. You don't understand your hunger cues. So you get hangry and cranky and low blood sugar and, you know, and then you don't understand your fullness signals. So that has massive implications later in life. If you, as a parent, aren't paying attention or aren't allowing that child to 
fully being kind of in communication with themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s, we were told, like, you finish everything that's on your plate. Uh, I know people that make their kids eat it the next morning for breakfast if they haven't eaten it the night before. Yeah. It's like, I think that's kind of cruel, actually. Yeah, and it's like yeah. if we if we felt that way, like if we had a meal like out at a restaurant yeah. or if we had a meal at home that we made and it was too much and we felt full. Yeah. Like imagine if, like you said, kind of in the context before, like an adult, imagine if your partner the next morning was like, no, before you eat your breakfast, you need to finish your dinner. Exactly. The night before. And then yeah. the rest of the day you're feeling gross because you're yeah. like, I'm actually overly full. I yeah. didn't listen to my body whatsoever. And I, like in this position, I've released all control to someone else to tell me what's mm-hmm. supposed to be good for my body. Yeah, that's it. And so then you get people later in life who are people pleasers, uh, can't say no, can't set boundaries, don't know how to make a decision for themselves. So like it's so much more than just feeding your kid. Like yes. it's so mm-hmm. huge. And I think that's why it's so overwhelming because what you do now, it does matter. And I think that's a lot of pressure as well. So it also doesn't matter if you feed your kids Maccas once a week. Mm-hmm. Like if your sanity needs it, okay, you've got to do what you've got to do. So I think there's like this massive information explosion that we have with access to the internet and that puts all this information in our hands and then that's quite overwhelming as a parent. So how do you make sure that you do it perfectly? You can't. So you just do what you do and you do the best that you can. And I think that that's kind of where we've landed. You know, we just we just do what we can and some days are really hard and some days I completely lost my shit the other day about my daughter not eating anything and she, you know, she came to dinner and threw her plate across the table. She was like, that's disgusting. I'm not touching that. And I was like, what? Because of taste or because of look or what was it? I don't know. She just she just was in a mood and I yep. was in a mood and it was like, yeah, it was explosive and, and well, not not a proud moment, but, you know, they happen. Like, it happens. Yeah, no, totally. It happens. Like, and you're not going to have, like, you know, day after day that it's a perfect day where, tick, like, you know, all the boxes have been ticked. Um, But how, how have you found, like, mimicked behaviour? So have you found, like, your kids – following any particular type of behaviour that like whether it's like that you're doing with your food, that you're doing with like your language with yeah. you know, your body or anything like that, is there anything in particular that you're like, oh, I've noticed they're mimicking me or no? Not overly actually now that I think about it. Like they are very set in their own ways. My mm-hmm. daughter has the ways that she likes to eat and my son has ways that he likes to eat. We do prioritise having dinner as a family and breakfast as a family. Mm-hmm. Lunch is often all over the place but um yeah they they're very independent with their food and like my son will just like he'll eat a curry he'll sit down and he's not three yet and he'll just sit there and he will like hoe into a curry like just I don't reckon I had a curry until I was like probably like 18 (gasps) yeah I don't reckon I had (laughs) oh my god I don't know my parents was always Italian food like we never ventured out yeah. Is that or Chinese? Yeah. Um, now I just can't stand. I can't stand Chinese food because probably because we oh, ate too much. Ate too much of it. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> what about with food when they don't enjoy the food? Yeah. So you know, for example, all that like you know, you want to give them vegetables or you put them on the plate and they don't want to eat them, yeah. and then it's like you know, no, 
they don't they just continuously say no to a food that you mm-hmm. know is really nutritious for them mm-hmm. or like a meal that you've prepared and you know that they're hungry but they just don't want to eat it yeah. how do you respond to that couple of things so we do kind of exposure foods as well so like i'll put a piece of capsicum a piece of cucumber and a piece of like red cabbage on both their plates at dinner time like a tiny piece and it's just there and they're like oh you know we don't like that like yeah i know but your taste buds change you might and occasionally she'll pick up the food and go i'm gonna taste it today like cool okay and she'll taste it and be like it's nice but i don't think i like it just yet i'm like okay whatever that's fine so we do like a very much no pressure attitude towards trying new foods mm-hmm. and the exposures there so that she's seen it constantly you know she's seen these raw veggies in their raw state and then the rest of the time I hide food in whatever they're eating so I will hide their veggies in like a bolognese or a lasagna and I have no shame in doing that because I'm like you've got to eat it they mm-hmm. just have yeah. to eat it and my kids don't like raw veggies mm-hmm. so they will eat broccoli my daughter will eat carrot I think that's probably the extent of what they will eat raw I know heaps of people's kids will have like tomatoes and cucumbers and capsicum my kids just won't do it but they do eat pickled veg so they'll eat like pickled cucumber pickled carrot they eat olives higher salt but they also are drinking a lot of water so I'm like it balances out at some point you know they don't have any signs of having salt imbalance or anything like that they sweat a lot they're running like I think that's not fast about the salt no so I'm fine with the salt Pickle foods are great. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with what they eat at the moment. My son adores mushrooms and I will like, you know, c- cook him up a big field mushroom and he'll eat it and then I'll do it next week and he won't touch it. And I'm like, that's cool, man. Like you just do what feels good for you. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating because, you know, you can spend two hours making dinner and then they both go, this is gross. And you know, have you seen that Gordon Ramsay meme where people spend all this time making the dinner for their kids and then Gordon <laughs> Ramsay pops in and he's like, fucking gloopy, gloopy shit, fuck. <laughs> like, I'm not touching this shit. You almost that, feel like you're on yeah. this, in the spotlight every yeah. day. And you're like, how's my oh, audience going to? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's like what they it's... do quite often. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, okay, would you like a piece of toast? And they're like, yeah. And then they'll have a piece of toast and then sometimes they'll go back and eat some of what's on their plate I do make it fun so like we have like little cutters that make shapes and stuff for you know for cheese for you can cut carrot and cucumbers into rounds and then like they've got the outside of the shape and then the inside so they can put it in and out and you know they're getting the exposure to it so I'm okay with it if they don't eat massive amounts of veggies every day I would like them to eat more sometimes it just doesn't happen and that's okay they do eat fruit so It's not awesome having that much sugar, but like, you know, they're getting the nutrients and the vitamins and that they need. So you kind of have to take what you can get sometimes. I think the exposure is an important one too, because I remember, I'm not sure if I was actually studying at the same time with you, Lexi, but I used to work at a childcare center as a cook. Um, And I remember when I was there, I was, so I was feeding the kids that were from about six months old to about like four or five, like kinder. And I remember the kinder kids were probably the fussiest out yep. of all of them. Yeah. And I remember one day I made a pesto pasta and the pesto pasta had like broccoli, uh, 
penne pasta and I made the pesto from scratch. And they yeah. had like a, a herb garden there. So I like, you know, just made it from the basil and stuff there. Um, I got the full tray back. They're like, nah, none of the kids touched it. And they're like, they did not touch it. Like the uh, rest of the rest of the kinder loved it. Loved yeah. it. Uh, the kinder kids, the kinder kids didn't like it at all. Yeah. And I was like, oh God. Um, I'm like, all right. So then the next week, because we're on a rotate, we had the same menu that kind of oh, no. first week. And the week after I went in and I was like, right, I'm gonna make it with them. So mm. they can actually see everything that's going in. So we all went into the garden. We all picked the basil. Yeah. Um, and they were all so excited, like, oh, my God, we're going to be eating this today. Like, we see this every day in the garden. And, like, they didn't realize that was the thing that made their lunch. Yeah. So we all got the basil. We all made the pesto together. And then it was the most interesting thing, but I watched the dynamics of the hierarchy of kids in the room. And there was one boy who was the top tier popular boy of the room. And whatever he said goes. So I could tell that it was almost like I got him to try it first because I was like, if he, like whatever happens, like I know it tastes good. And like, if he likes it, and I get the approval. Like, because obviously, you know, it could have gone either way. Then I know everyone else is going to eat it because yeah. they're all like, oh, my God, like, we love this guy. Anyway, yeah. so we got him to make, he taste it, and we made it. And he was like, oh, my God, this is so good. And he <laughs> loved it. So all the kids ate it. Yeah. And they polished off every little bit because they were involved in the whole process. Yeah. I think the big thing for them was they saw a whole plate of green and they were like, yeah. what, what is this? Yeah. So what we did instead was I actually put the pasta in everyone's bowls, put the broccoli in everyone's bowls. I might have cooked chicken or something, so they had a bit of protein, I can't remember. Um, but then I had the pesto separate and I was like, everyone can add as much green mm-hmm. as they want to their plate. So yeah. if some people that were like, just had a little bit of teaspoon. They're like, okay, that's it. Like I only want a little bit of green on my pasta. Other people, other kids were like downing the pesto. And then there was probably only one or two kids out of the 30 kids in the group that was like, no, I don't want any green. I'm like, yeah, that's cooked. That's fine. Mm. And I think that way, because I had them involved in the whole process and Mm. then they had the control and the option and I think kind of like what you were saying that consent to to be like actually do I want this or I not want this yeah. like yeah they had the choice and then from there they then like every single week didn't have a problem from then on I could bring yeah. them the whole tray bring them the pesto separately yeah. like the dressing and then they were able to just add it as they wanted it mm. I think that's a really important thing to be able to give kids that like autonomy and ability to get their own food. So like sometimes we'll do for dinner, if it's a hectic day, we'll just do like a grazing platter, you know, cheese, meat, some veggies, some hummus, like whatever it is that we've got. And sometimes that's just all they need. And I think the other thing too I was going to say is that we forget how little most kids actually need to eat, like the size of their stomachs as they grow is quite small. And like my husband, when the kids first started eating, he would pile their plates up like <laughs> like into pyramids and be like, well, they can eat what they want and then leave the rest. And I'm like, it doesn't work like that. Like that's overwhelming. Mm. So if you put smaller amounts and then they get to ask for more, that's nice for them to be mm. like, I'm happy to try that little bit. And if I like it, I'll keep eating it and then I'll get more if I need to. Like, I think that's quite a nice way to do it. Just going back, there are foods that I I do make my kids have a bite of before they are allowed to leave the table. So like 
with their veggies, I say to them, you know, you have to have at least two bites of that before you can say that you're finished because you have to have veggies in your body. And so like, you know, with broccoli and carrot and stuff like that, they will take a bite and be like, oh God, like I hate you so much for making me do this. And then they'll be like, oh, I love it and eat the whole thing. Mm. So sometimes it is like you have to get it into their mouth. So it's, you know, you do have to try this. You're allowed to not like it, but you do have to try it because I know that you like it. And that's the thing because you know already that they like it and they haven't actually eaten it. It's not like you're getting them to then sit down and eat a full broccoli head. You're like, I just want you to have two little bites because I know you enjoy it. Yeah. So, you know, some days I know I'm like, you haven't had any fiber today. Like some days they are so picky. And so I'm like, you know, you're going to have really hard poos. You're going to have really sore tummy. You need to have something. And this is the thing I know you'll eat. And they're like, oh, fine. And they'll, they'll eat it and then they'll go on their way. But I'm not going to do that and be like, you have to try this new cabbage, you know. Yeah. I'm not going to I do love them. I do love though how you say that you'll have really hard poos or like your tummy will be really oh. sore and like actually educating them on yep. you know why veggies are important and yep. I guess you know too like if they're not wanting to say have say for example chicken or like a protein it's like you know you're not going to have like like strong healthy bones or whatever yep. it might be that you can like you're sort of educating the children on why you need all of the different variety of foods yep. um is yeah. like you know pasta because you know you need some energy and things like that yeah. rather than it necessarily being yeah good and bad foods yeah we do talk a lot about like what food does to your body so like they know that they need veggies because they have to have good poos otherwise you know things aren't moving properly and it hurts their bum So there's that Mm -hmm. aspect of it. We talk about like, you know, you have to have protein. Otherwise you can't, like your brain's not going to work and your body's not going to run properly and you can't climb and do all the fun things you want to do. So we talk about what food does. And I think that, you know, being a nutritionist, you know that kind of stuff. So that's how I come at it from this is why you have to eat this food. Mm. Because we're thinking about the function of how it's going to fuel our bodies and make it better. And I think that's good because, you know, I'm sure for most of us, like growing up, food was probably not often spoken about in that way. It was like, this is going to make you fat. This is going to make you thin. And it's Mm -hmm. like, that's really kind of probably the majority of things. Like, you know, if I were to think about any food, like if I were to think about any moment where I've either been food shamed or something like that, it was probably yeah. because of oh that food makes you fat. Like you're yeah. eating you're eating chocolate since when yeah. do you eat chocolate? And it's yeah. like it's actually mm, yeah. whereas like for example in the way that you would word it with some things with the sugar, like you said before, is like this gives us too much energy and we don't mm. necessarily need that amount of energy before yeah. we go to bed. We we never do sweets in the afternoon because it just makes bedtime a living hell. So from that perspective, it's easy to say to them you know you know that you get too much energy at at bedtime when you have lollies or chocolate or whatever it is that they want to have so if we've got lollies in the house and and my daughter's asked for them I'm like yep you can have them tomorrow after breakfast Mm -hmm. and she's like okay so then she knows she gets up she eats her breakfast and she's like can I have my lollies now (laughs) and she can have them and then you know she'll wear it off through the day and she's fine but, like, I don't say, no, you can't have them. Mm. Like, mm. not restricting her like that because then it gets into that spiral of begging and becoming obsessed and all that kind of stuff. I don't think they should have lollies every day, though. Yeah, I think. You Agreed. Know. I think that there's there's definitely different things at different stages of your life in terms of nutrition and the approach that you might take. And I know, like, you know, for example, 
like what in the realm of some of the clients that Paige and I see, we might see clients that, for example, have gone through body comp prep and they've severely restricted themselves for a long period of time because it's all physique related and then yeah. they end up in a cycle of binging and restricting, binging and restricting. Yeah. For those people, you actually almost need that exposure of, hey, like I actually need you to have something a little yeah. bit sweet every single day so you can realise yes. it's not going to kill you, like you're going to survive, mm. like it's yeah. okay um, to have that. And once you have that and you realise you can actually have it, whenever you want and you have the choice to have it whenever you want. You probably don't want to sit and binge and have it because you're retraining mm. yeah. your mind. So I think different stages require different kind of levels of amounts and like yeah. kind of rules around it. For sure. My daughter is obsessed with dairy and it doesn't do good things for her. She gets really upset stomachs and stuff. But we, you know, she she will like grab a, a thing of cream and just try and drink the whole thing. Like she is obsessed. Best. Oh my um, goodness. I know. Yeah. I know. It's so good. That scares me. That scares me just like knowing what that would do to me. <laughs> well, she, so we like, you know, we're like, you can have a bit of cream, but you don't have to be that obsessive about food. And so I think, and I'm hoping that slowly that'll kind of get through to her that once she's in control of her own eating, completely she doesn't go like oh my god I can have all the dairy in the world and like just I mean she probably will but it's you know we try we try our best yeah that's it and you know there's no right or wrong way to do things like I've seen it in some of my friends and in comparison to myself like you know how I gave you that bit of a background history before which then provoked me to change my diet as I got older and then yeah yeah, of course going through different stages with the relationship with food but then I've seen friends on the other side that their parents didn't allow them anything yeah at all in for in terms of sugar Uh, like they weren't allowed to touch soft drink weren't allowed to even have any sugar or anything at parties or anything like that so then they got to the stage where they were 18 and they had a bit of money and they were allowed to go and, you know, they were able to buy things and all of a sudden they then had no control. They could, they would just want soft drink all the time. They would want sugar all the time. Yeah. Um, And that's because they were never given that option of being like, hey, you're actually allowed to have it here and there, but it's just not an everyday, all day food. Well, like they do that on Sesame Street now, like the Cookie Monsters (laughs) change from like he's still a cookie monster, but cookies are sometimes food. So they've like oh, introduced wow. this concept. And so my kids know now that like if we make cookies, you don't just get to eat the entire batch in one go. Mm-hmm. And we also are kind of explaining this thing of like keeping food for the week. So, you know, my daughter's kind of got this thing in her head of like if there's food in the house, you get to eat it all like right now. Yeah. And so we've been trying to explain this, you know, concept of making food You're like, Dale, do you understand the economy right yeah. now? <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. We can't keep an endless supply of Education. <laughs> Education. Like, this is my bank account. Like, and this is the receipt. <laughs> That's right. All of that. Yeah. Um, so we're just trying to like, yeah, and budgeting. We're yeah. also talking about that at the moment because I don't know about you guys, but money was never mentioned. Mm-hmm. Didn't understand how much food cost, didn't That's understand how money, true. like how you budgeted food for food and things like that. Like she's like, I want this new doll. And I'm like, That's nice. That's not in my budget. And she's like, mm. So I'm not saying no, you can't have it. I'm just saying, you know, if you want it, we'll budget for it. 
Mm. You know, I think that'll anyway. Big, that's yeah, a bigger story. No, no, but I think that's that's important as well yeah. because then, yeah, it also makes them realize that, like, in terms of the context of food, it's like it's not en- there's not an endless yeah. supply that's coming. Yeah, yeah, from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mm. definitely had the budgeting conversations a lot throughout my childhood, oh, yeah. and I definitely think that you know, I I guess it's one of those things, right? Like when you look back on your childhood and the things that were spoken about. Yeah. is now the reason why, you know, I'm quite good with budgeting because mm. it was something that was like spoken about a lot yeah. throughout my childhood, which is, you know, your children will be really well educated on nutrition, the value of nutrition and everything else mm. that you talk about with them. The, and it's just sitting down, exposing them to it, having mm. the conversations so that then, you know, they can come back to you and ask you more questions and they're not yeah. fearful of asking those questions as well. And also that they know these things exist. Because mm. some people don't realise that their kids need to actually be exposed to the real world within reason, obviously, like there are things that you don't want your kids to know about. But I think like for me, I was just kind of oblivious to how the world ran. Like I knew a lot about a lot of scary stuff that I'd seen in movies, but I didn't know a lot about just basic stuff like budgeting and like food shopping mm. and, you know, and about nutrition and that kind of stuff. It was a lot I, I just got told I was so skinny all the time and I was like, okay, I just have to be skinny because people comment on that. But that was kind of like my only real interaction with that, you know, like no yeah. one really sat me down and taught me any of this stuff. So I figured like while I'm learning it as an adult, I'm going to expose my kids to it and have real conversations with them and explain, mm-hmm. you know, like so we do cooking together, we do shopping, we do housework, like we they're involved, I guess is more what I'm saying, rather than it being like a parent child kind of split. Mm. You know, mm. you're a child, you don't have to do any of this stuff. We really involve them in family life and mm-hmm. in all aspects of that. And yeah, I think I think we're doing an okay job. It's really hard though. You're so, yeah, you're <laughs> oh my incredible job. You don't get incredible job. Oh. And you know, it's so hard because you can only control so much of what you've got going on at home. And oh. I know when I actually asked you uh, to come onto the podcast, one of the things you mentioned was about how your daughter had had a conversation or something happened with Oh, no, actually, you know, what was it? I think you were saying about the word fat. You said there was something that came up about the word fat. You're like, I've never heard, I've never, don't know yeah. where she's picked this up from because that wasn't from me. Yeah. Um, what What was that? What happened in that situation? She, her second day, she just started school. Her second day of school picked her up. She jumps in the car. She goes, I'm skinny. And I was like, what? And I said, what does that mean? And she goes, I don't know. And I was like, well, who said that? And she goes, I don't know. She goes, I'm just skinny. And I was like, okay. So what does it mean? She's like, she goes, well, you know how I have a foot that goes like this and my brother has a foot that goes like this. And she's like, I think that's what it means. And I was like, so you've got a narrow foot and he's got a wide foot. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, I've got a wide foot and your dad's got a narrow foot. And she's like, oh, she goes, I guess I've just got a narrow body. And I was like, okay, did someone say something to you about it? She's like, no, not really. And I was like, okay, how do you feel about it? And she's like, it's fine. And I was like, okay. Great. And she was like, yeah, cool. And then we just went on our way. And I was like, shit, she's someone's said something to her at school about how she looks or about her being skinny. Or And I don't know the context of it. I don't know if it was a kind thing that they've said or, you know, how it was introduced to her. But she's suddenly come home and been like, you know, I look this way and my brother is fat. Oh. It really makes you think, like, what kind of conversations? Because, like, you couldn't imagine that it would be the teacher. I would hope not. Would, yeah, you'd and absolutely if it, hope not. 
I'll tell you what, if it's the teacher, I will not be letting that one lie. Like yeah. that, I will be really upset if that's happened from a teacher or a teaching, Oops. you know, support staff or anything no. like that. Have you heard anything I, else since that event? Like has anything come up? Not yet, but, you know, it's like I try not to make a big deal about these things and just kind no. of. I think the way that you had that conversation to ask her how she feels about that. Yeah. And like what she's thinking is really good. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of pressure. Like, I, you know, everyone has different experiences with their weight growing up. I was always told how skinny I was and like, and it was always talked about. Everyone talked about it. And then, you know, got into high school and there was like, oh no, we think you've got anorexia. And I'm like, this is just my body. And I eat like a pig. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I have nothing to say about it because it's just how I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, it's not fair to constantly comment on people's bodies because everyone mm. has a different metabolism, bone structure, genetics, environment. It's like it's not a thing. Like it shouldn't be a thing. Just yeah. just let mm. people's bodies exist just how they are. Yeah. Just, Especially yeah. for a kid. I know. I'm like, what? It, and like, just, you yeah. know, if you look at the, the history often with children as well, like they their bodies change so quickly. Oh, Six months oh, later, yeah. they could be so yep. like such a different body shape. And they go through that like they gain heaps of weight, get really chubby, and then they shoot up, you know. Yeah. It's like that's how they do. They yeah. expand and yeah. then they go. And, then, yeah. you know, so it's just I was really, really upset that someone had said that to her. It was probably another kid whose parents say yeah. that to them or, you know, older siblings or something like that. But I went to a mother's group when she was little And one of the mums had their three-year-old there as well. And the three-year-old was talking about calories. And the mum was like, yeah, we get on the scales every morning and then we, you know, set our calories for the day and make sure that we work them off. You know, we do enough exercise to get rid of them for the day. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't say anything because I was just like. A three-year-old. Yeah. It was so sad. How do you like, even calculate a caloric intake for a three-year-old? I, have, like, I, I don't know, honestly. And why are you doing that every what? day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And why would you? Why would you introduce scales to your three-year-old? Like, why? Why yeah. do you have to measure their anything other it's, than it's, you know a checkup? Like, it's it was heartbreaking to me. And I was at that moment, she was really little, and I was like, I'm, I'm never we're never discussing this. Like, this is not going to be a thing. And my weight's not an issue. Her weight's not an issue. Like, I just, yeah, it was really upsetting. Like, I just never wanted that to be something that she had to focus on, I guess. Yeah, or be exposed to it. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when, like, you know, she talks about her body or um, when your son talks about his body, regardless of whether they talk about it in, like, a negative, positive, neutral way, how do you discuss bodies I obviously know that you touched on before about like everybody has a body yeah um but you know when they're talking about oh like you know why do I have like a you know why do I have a little bit of like this around my stomach or Mm. um because I know that some of my clients will um speak to their kids like you know like and just consistently reinforce especially as I'm being younger of like you know you've got such a beautiful belly and you got like a beautiful this and a beautiful that like yeah um trying to like have that positive association with those things but again, like I guess going back to that whole like body positivity, body neutrality, that kind of conversation, how do yeah. you navigate that? We don't talk about bodies very much. We talk about strength and we oh, talk gosh. about like what our bodies can do. 
and how cool it is that we can climb trees and hang upside down. Like I talk to them a lot about the fact that I'm not strong enough yet to do certain things because after having and giving birth to them, it like destroyed my pelvic floor. So like I can't jump on the trampoline because my body is changed after having babies. So we talk about stuff like that, but never, I don't know, we just don't, it's just not I a guess thing. I probably don't bring it up because you're so... Well, you're you're yeah. making sure that you're not talking about your I never body talk in a particular about way and no. that makes them not analyse their own bodies because yeah. you're like, oh, they don't even know it's a concept that people talk about. No, bodies. we just talk about like how cool it is. Like, oh, you're so strong and like you can climb that tree and look, you did that cool thing. Like your body's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like your body's so strong. Your body that. can do this cool stuff. But we don't, I don't, I don't enforce body positivity because I don't think like that. Yeah. And maybe we might have to at some stage, but I feel like at the moment we're not there. I tell them that I, you know, how much I love them, how much I love their brains and their creativity and what they, you know, their drawing and what their hands can do and, you know, all that kind of stuff and how smart they are. We talk a lot about like how great their brains are and how much I love the way that they think and how they view the world and things like that. That I'm really big on because Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be just appearance based. I do tell them that they're beautiful or like, you know, come out in a new outfit. I'm like, whoa, you look so great. And but mm. I also say I can see the joy on your face in the way that, oh. you know, that this activity or this thing has made you look so joyful. Mm-hmm. You're highlighting their strengths and their uniqueness. Yeah, I think so. And oh, and nice. trying to kind of like, you know, I said to my daughter the other, the other day, I said like I can see the the joy shining out of your face in this moment because I can tell that you love this thing so much. And she was just like, you know, exploding with happiness because I could see her happiness and it had nothing to do with what she looks like because it doesn't matter, (laughs) you know. So, and I, but I do, I tell them that they're cute and that they're, you know, want to eat them up and like, you know, (laughs) all that kind of stuff. But I think that's just delighting in your kid, you know. Absolutely. And, it, you know, one day if they ever are challenged, like in the situation where your daughter got into the car mm. and spoke about her body, you'll be able to then, you know, steer that conversation to be like, well, how is it that you're feeling at the moment with yeah. that comment? But also long term, I guess that's probably where you would probably have those conversations with them to be like, you know, as you were growing up, do you remember me telling you about how strong you are and how great mm. it was that you could climb a tree and like how yep. how creative you are and yep. all the different things that make you you, you. yeah that have nothing to do with the way that you look. Yeah, doesn't matter how what size your waist is or how tall you are or you know any of this kind of stuff. Like I'm just not huge on body positivity because I just don't think that. I don't think we have to be that in love with ourselves. I don't feel like I love myself, but I don't feel every time I look in the mirror when I'm naked, I don't feel overly in love with every lump and bump and, you know, stretch mark. You know, I'm like, oh, I had two babies. Like, this is my body. This is how I look. (laughs) Yeah. The things I want to do, and I've told my kids, like, I need time to exercise so that I can be stronger, so I can lift them more or so that I can climb a tree or like I probably will never be able to jump on a trampoline again, but, you know, that's okay. But, yeah, that's how I talk about it, like, you know, that this is my my time to exercise so that I can do all these things mm-hmm. instead of so that I can fit into these pants again. We don't talk about clothes sizes other than Willow's going on about like how she wants to be the size clothes that her age is. 
though. Mm-hmm. She's size six. She wants to wear size six clothes. And I'm like, it doesn't work like that. But if that's what you want to do, then that's cool. I've talked to her about how sizing works. And for right now, you match up and that's cool. She just likes how numbers match. So I'm like, awesome. Yeah, That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. then I, I guess like circling back to the, one of the questions that I was asking earlier, mm. when then you have family members and yeah. you have other people um, mm. that will talk about dieting, that mm. will talk about how they you know they feel fat or they need to go on this diet because that diet will work. How do you then frame those conversations around your children? A lot of the time I brush it off and ignore it and I don't enter into the conversation with them because I don't want it to become a big deal because if I make it a big deal, then my daughter will be like, why is that a big deal? I do say, you know, something positive to them about it and kind of just keep the conversation moving. I don't really want to engage in that. But when it comes to them talking to my kids about their weight, that's a no-go. Like we just, I I don't really, can't think of an example right now, but yeah, I just have a boundary with it, you know, like we don't, we don't talk about that, Mm -hmm. like, you know, really, because that, it can be quite confronting for people, but I have said, oh, we don't talk about you know, our bodies like that. Or someone said, called themselves stupid in front of my kids. And I was like, oh, that's an awful word. We don't use words like that to describe ourselves. I was like, you're this. And then I was like, you know, change subject, moving on. And yep. my, my daughter mentioned it later. And I was like, well, you know, no one is actually stupid. So we don't say stuff like that to ourselves because it's really hurtful, hurts our feelings. So we don't talk like that to ourselves just like okay you've got a really good way to kind of turn the yeah my god conversation to just be like oh, i don't know this is what we do oh yeah, you could turn any any topic <laughs> into just education just, it's great i just feel like if you make a big deal out of it and sit down and be like okay we need to talk about this it's overwhelming for them to start with like it's yeah. you know you don't want i can't think about when your parents were like we need to sit down and talk about this. And you're like, oh, shit, I don't want to have this conversation. Like, whatever it is, let's mm. not do this. So, yeah, I guess we just try and keep stuff light. A lot of the time, parenting my kids has been quite challenging. So, I've found parenthood really hard. So, making things harder for myself by constantly having to talk about body positivity or, like, goodness of food or any of this stuff is just extra hard. So, it's just a normal conversation. It's like, yep, yeah, this is it. That's, you know, you eat this because it makes poo easier. And for us, it's a second language. Like I'd yeah. probably get the Bristol stool child up there. Like, <laughs> you want to have rabbit poo? <laughs> yeah. That's what we talk about. I'm, yeah. like, I, I'm like, did you just do that poo? Like that one that's floating in the toilet, the rabbit poo? And she's like, yes. I'm like, okay, well, you need to eat more veggies today. And she's yeah. like, okay. So, <laughs> you know, keeping it light. I think we get really hung up on like making sure that we're in like letting our kids know all the stuff that we didn't know, that we become kind of hooked on it and like obsessed with making sure that it's perfect. That it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that kind of comes back to the perfectionism that was expected of us as kids and, you know, and making other people happy and like all that stuff, like from eating food, being told like, this is how it's going to be, I'm in charge of your body, all those things. And I think when you kind of get to the other end of it and you're teaching your kids now, like I just don't want them to have to think that that stuff is hard or that 
I'm winging it. I'm totally winging it. If this is your winging it, oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> You're allowing me to like think very introspectively of like my people-pleasing tendencies and being like, it definitely goes back to my food. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, right? Because you're like, oh, I have to make mum and I dad rewarded, happy. Yeah. And I get yeah. rewarded and I have to listen to them, not myself. And I think that's a big one. Like the other day I was doing something and she said to me, Oh, my son was sleeping and uh, she came out of his room and I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, I was checking on him. I'm like, you're not his parent. You don't need to do that. And she was like, well, you do it. And I was like, yeah, I'm his parent. She was like, so? Like, oh, my God, what? And I was like, why don't you understand that there's a hierarchy here? And she just doesn't. She's like, if you do it, I can do it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so fucking challenging and confronting. And I'm like, I, I don't know how to explain hierarchy to her because she's right. Like she loves yeah. it. She wants to make sure he's okay. Yeah, I know. And she is. She's just checking on him. But it upset yeah. me because I'm like, I'm the parent. That's yeah. my job, not your job. And she's mm. like, he's my brother. I can check on him. And I'm like, okay, fine. Okay. But, you know, like she just has no understanding of hierarchy. And I kind of love it. I'm mm. like, that's cool. Like I can tell she's going to disrupt the world, you know. But I think that's also great because when she's older, she's probably then also going to feel like she's on that same level as you. She can come to with everything. Yeah. Um, She can feel like, you know, yeah, you're her mum, but you're also her best friend. And yeah. she can feel that you're on the same yeah. page. Well, I think she feels like that now, you know, mm. like she doesn't understand why I'm in charge of stuff. And sometimes I like feel like a child because I'm like, <laughs> and she's like yeah whatever all right my mom and I have this my mom and I have this running joke that she's always just because I've for me I've always tried to take care of Mm. my mom always been in charge but yeah I'm probably like your daughter like I'm just like no I don't get it like you could do this why can't I do that yeah Um, yeah it's so confronting yeah and as I've gotten older there's been other more things like you know as Doing the job that I do and seeing mum's health decline in certain ways, I'm obviously yeah. like trying to call her out on stuff where yeah. obviously my approach is a bit different to your approach with your kids where I'm like, mum, you've got diabetes. Do you really think you need to be adding that much sugar to your coffee? Like mm. it's kind of a very fun kind of way that I am. Or like, mum, do you really need to have another donut? If- yeah diabetes like look I think that's pretty fair yeah yeah Yeah. and that's exactly and it's just funny because she just like comes back at me she her mum and I never had very serious serious conversations um as in like we couldn't couldn't never fight so she always just comes yeah she always (laughs) comes back with me she's just like you're not my mum I'm just like I'm like yeah but I need to start acting like your mum if you're not going to listen to me yeah but I think the I think the tables turn once you become an adult like yeah and 100%. yeah, life is so weird. I'm oh. constantly amazed by life and just like aging. Aging yeah. is so weird. I don't yes. understand it at all. But anyway, yeah. I think the way that you're setting up the tone to raise your kids is really beautiful. Oh, um, thanks. Like the way that you're educating them, I think is really great. And it sounds like you're really, you've got a really good self awareness of your own personal journey that you've been through when you mm-hmm. were younger and yeah. trying to make sure that. It's kind of modeled a little bit different. Yeah. Um, And it's something that I've also had to catch my clients out on. I know that Mm. I've had one particular client case that comes to mind where she had a lot of health anxiety. Yeah. And for her, she had rosacea 
And so for her skin, like it would constantly she have rosacea, but also chronic anxiety. So with the anxiety, you then get naturally, you get quite flushed, even if you don't have rosacea. Yeah. So she was getting the combination of her rosacea clearing every single time she'd have like constant anxiety throughout the day. Yeah. Um, and her daughter had just a slight little red hue on mm. her cheeks, which, you know, kids. Kids do. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But she then started to come frantically worried. Oh, do I need to cut this out of my daughter's diet? Do I yeah. need to do this? Do I need to control the environment? Like, does she need to start using particular skincare and all this kind of stuff? I'm like, she's a, she's a child. Like, yeah. she's, this yeah. is just her skin. Just let it, yeah, let her develop. Let, yeah. Just let it, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's oh. where, like, it sounds like um, you've got a really good self awareness of your own kind of health journey, your own personal yeah. journey. But also important, I think, for mums to be aware of, like making sure they're aware of their own stuff. Yeah. Um, aware mm-hmm. of where they're not then putting that onto their own kid. Like, you know, you might yeah. not be able to eat onion, but your kid probably can. Yeah. And you can try it. But like, I have massive health anxiety. And I've found that really challenging as a parent because for ages I didn't let them eat fish because I was like, they'll have an anaphylactic reaction and die and like would go spiral out of control. I think that plays a lot into like postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression, which I had both of. And that's really hard to work through. Like I still haven't let them have prawns or oysters because I just can't bring myself to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't eat them very often. I eat oysters when I go out, but like... I haven't done that yet because I haven't kind of let that anxiety go. Mm. Um, So there are those things that really hamper some of the things that I do and I do get very stressed about it, but I try not to let them know that that's how I'm feeling. It's very internal, but I totally understand that. Like there, you know, if you've got, and also, you know, like if you, if you can't eat onions, you just don't have them in the house. So it's one of those things that then your kid doesn't get exposed to and, you know, and then when they do, are they going to react to it? So I think it's hard because so many of us have difficulties with certain foods. And so like I don't eat gluten. I have been at the moment, but um, it's not doing me any good. Um, uh, <laughs> and I don't eat it. And Willow is like, well, why don't you eat it? And I say to her, you know, it makes my tummy hurt really badly and it makes my periods really painful. And so I don't eat it. And She's like, oh, okay, well, I want to be gluten-free too. And I'm like, well, you can be if you want to, and that's totally fine. That's up to you. And so sometimes she'll eat gluten-free bread and she's like, oh, this is gross. I want my white fluffy bread. I'm like, oh, you can't have white fluffy bread every day. That's not something you can do. But, you know, I think having conversations with kids is really important and not underestimating their ability to understand Mm. and not overcomplicating it. But you do have to explain stuff because if you don't explain it, they make up their own mind about things. Uh, so they're uh, like, oh, mum can't eat that, but, you know, like they don't know why. And so then they create a story in their head about why I can't eat that. Mm-hmm. So if I, you know, if I tell them, then they've got the full picture. And I feel like for me as a kid, I got told tiny snippets of stuff. So I made up the rest mm-hmm. and filled in the blanks for myself, which were often incorrect. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of where I come from with a lot of my parenting stuff is just giving them the age-appropriate knowledge and letting them know the truth about stuff. But I love that you're even talking about periods oh. to a six-year-old. <laughs> oh, and a three-year-old. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I have my period at the moment and I was on the toilet and my son came in and he was like, oh, mum, blood. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's blood. I was like, but it's okay, blood. It's it's a blood that mummies get 
when they get older. And I was like, and that's okay. And he, I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not hurt. He was like, okay, you fix it. And I was like, no, I don't need to fix it. It's okay. And he was like, okay. And just walked out. And I was like, <laughs> cool. We've had that conversation. Oh my goodness, it's beautiful. I love wow. that. Wow. Yeah. So, and my daughter knows, you know, all about periods and like what pads and tampons are and all that kind of stuff. And she walked into the bathroom and saw that I had my period and she was like, oh, gross. Again. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah it's been another poor week. Exactly. That's how we all feel. <laughs> yeah. Where it's, and she was, uh, you know, and I've told her, like, it, you will get a period at some point when you're older. And she was like, oh, gross. I don't want that. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody does. Sorry. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. So, Eventually. You know, yeah. I just try and normalize it. You know, yeah. the conversation we haven't had, which I'm dreading, is the where do babies come from conversation. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised be, yeah. it hasn't oh. come up considering that, like, they're, yeah. so, they're so open to having all these other conversations with you. She did ask me at Christmas time in front of a room full of people and I was mm. like, oh, my God, like grandparents, oh, aunties, uncles, and I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, where did I come from? And I was like, um, my stomach? And she was like, it's not what I mean. And I was like, oh, I can't do this right now. I've got nothing to say. I was like, I haven't prepared this one. So she walked off and she was really embarrassed. And I was like, shit, I handled that very badly. How can you prepare yourself? You don't know what moment. So how have you thought about it now? Like how you think you're going to work? I'm actually just burying my head in the sand about it. And I'm like, I don't want to think about it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've got to, I've got to figure that one out. And yeah. uh yeah, um, I don't know. She's got like anatomy books and all that kind of stuff. Wow. I'm just hoping that, you know, eventually she'll ask and we'll have a conversation that's age appropriate. But I, I don't know. Is there really maybe know. a book? Like, is there like a. There are lots, actually. And there's. Yeah, I was like, going to say, like, is it like a children's book or something you could yeah. read to her to be like, this is actually the story of yeah. what happens? Yeah. And there's like, I think my, my friend has one for her kids about sex. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Great timing. Well, yeah. yeah. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's horrible. Um yeah. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Oh my god. Anyway, so there's one about sex and IVF. Are you making babies? Oh my god. That's okay. She doesn't know what it is. No, uh, no, that's okay. That was my three-year-old. Um, so he's fine. Um, anyway, so yeah, we'll get there. I'm yeah. not ready for it. Yeah. Okay, so there's so there's books about RVF too that explains yeah. what it is. Yeah. There was this yeah. book that I had when I was younger that I think it was my mother bought me, and it was called Girl Talk. Uh, oh. and it was this huge blue book. I remember it was like that book. Really, yeah. really, yeah. And it was like talked all, all about stuff. periods, all about sex, all about oh. protection, consent, all of the good stuff that you need to like learn about as That's a, cool. a girl and growing yeah, up. Yeah. So, and I know that it was really like really valuable for my mom. She was like, I want to buy that book so that I can then pass it on to you. You can then pass it on to your child. Yeah. It's more just like, you know, when you don't have, when she doesn't have necessarily the answers, you can go to the book and then you can also, once you have questions after you've read the book, then we can have a conversation about it. That's so good. That's great. Because like, you know, she doesn't know all the answers to everything. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. at least, you know, she has this book <laughs> that oh, can then amazing. stimulate conversation. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious to ask my mom how any of those conversations went with me because I have no idea. But yeah. I do remember when I was in grade five, they got all of the grade fives into one room and they mm. 
made us watch a video of like yeah. a baby, like a baby ultrasound, and then uh, they showed cool. us. They and they showed us. I'm pretty sure they showed us. This is where babies come from, and yeah. this is what happens. Um, I also don't know if that was also them trying to educate us around sex, but surely not because it was grade five. So like you would hope not at that stage. I think we, I think but, we did in year six. We got like a, a talk about, you know, condoms and periods and sex and babies. So I never had never had that kind of chat in terms mm. of like condoms and stuff. Oh, really? In my education. Wow. Not at all. I went to a Catholic Oh wow. Oh. oh okay. Yeah. So like yeah, I don't remember any convers- I don't remember any conversation about periods. I don't remember any conversations about anything except for the condom and the banana. And it was like that was the only like, you know, that was the only discussion around you know, if you're going to have sex, you need to make sure you have a condom. This is how you put a condom on. And that's literally all that I remember from a oh, sex wow. education perspective. I just really wish that, like, you know, they would talk about ovulation. They'd talk about yeah. the fact that yeah. you, know, you can't get pregnant all the time. But I also understand from the perspective of if you say that you can't get pregnant all the time, that then yeah. <laughs> it, there's going to be a few more people that then don't protect um, at all. And there's obviously more than just yeah, you know, pre- getting pregnancy. You know, protect against so um i think it's an ongoing thing that they need to continue to develop in school curriculum for sure absolutely i think and i just saw the beginning of this week they are changing the australian curriculum to remove the words good and bad around food and bmi Ah, really and good and bad around food yep wow so great that's good yeah because i think that was for a while they were like making kids weigh themselves at school and like fat shaming I remember Honestly, you know what I actually distinctly mm. remember a time where I had to weigh myself in front of everyone in grade three and oh someone God. making a comment about my weight because I was overweight and someone making a comment about my weight and it's like that's Ooh. like what was the point of that activity why did we do that that shaming I am yeah and I think it was also like learning about your BMI and what's a healthy oh. BMI rate but let's be real, like yeah, like a BMI range is not. There's like they don't. They're my shit. BMI range is yeah. a twenty kilo BMI range. Like I can be very unhealthy on both ends of the spectrum. It doesn't work. And no, it shouldn't. No. Kids shouldn't learn that stuff. They should learn about what makes their body strong, or you know, mm. like what is required to keep your body running. Yeah. Like Absolutely. that's a pretty basic thing to know, and I don't think most people know that stuff. Mm. You know, so. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's been so great to have yeah. you on. Yeah, um, nice. I know that next week you said that you're going to be, uh, well, actually I say next week now, but by the time this is actually released, you're probably already practicing. So um, <laughs> you're yeah. starting your um, your business. Yes, Tell finally. Jeez, it's taken me long enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's called Mother Folk Nutrition and it's for mums. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, so I was doing the postpartum doula work and that was just really taxing and exhausting being one-on-one with people like that. And I, it didn't work for my family. It just couldn't figure it out to work with everyone making food for another family and making food for my family. That was just a lot of stuff for me to be doing. So I'm kind of taking my postpartum doula skills and my nutrition skills and I'm doing like online support and nutrition the nutrition sessions but it incorporates a lot more support in the postpartum phase of your life and it's specifically for mums because I feel like as a mum 
you need a safe space to be able to unload the heaviness of mothering in isolation for most of us and, you know, and going through postpartum depression and anxiety and all that stuff. And if you're talking to someone who hasn't experienced it before, it can be quite confronting, you know, the thoughts that come up, the feelings that arise, you know, and if you've not breastfed before or bottle fed before, you, you don't have the the knowledge to pass on. So I was like, this is so needed. It's like a space that doesn't get a lot of attention. You know, we've got this boom in postpartum doulas at the moment, which is amazing. And I think it's come from women going through postpartum alone and going, no, that mm. can't happen for other women. So I'm going to become a postpartum doula and offer this service to women. But after that, there isn't much. So this is kind of like extended postpartum care in the form of nutrition and online support. So that's kind of, yeah, that's it. That's what I'm I offering. Love it. Amazing. Yeah. Well, we'll include your information in the show Thank notes. You. So it's motherfucknutrition.com. Yeah. Um, and we'll also, you know, share this on Instagram and everything Yay. too. Um, but congratulations Thanks. on starting it. It's so yeah. exciting. It is. Uh, it's good. I'm, I just can't wait. And yeah. it feels right. Yeah, it feels right. Just yeah. It's just a, a needed thing, you know. Yeah. It's what I've needed and it doesn't exist yet. So I'm like, here we go. Let's do it. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Well, thank yeah, thank you so much for this. It's oh, been welcome. so great. And I definitely have even picked up a lot of things for myself. And I'm like, great. This is good for me to pass up to clients who are about yeah, to be cool. new moms. And definitely. Awesome. Even, even just for myself one day. I'm so glad that I don't need to speak about things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Um, and yeah, I'll pop everything in the show notes so people can find cool. you. Okay. Thanks so much. It's been really nice. My pleasure. Thank you.